Thank you. This is uh, Joshua Bell with the Kilt and the Cloth in my Tuesday morning Bible study as uh, we start a new topic of angels, angels in the Bible, angels in culture. And um, so we're, we're going to just start off with the, the very basics of, of angels uh, that are in the Bible. So begin, before we begin too far, um, as I was having the discussion before we started the recording, it's important to note that in almost every single anthropological culture and what we call civilized societies, some form of celestial being is portrayed in their history. So with the Egyptians specifically, right? So we, we think some of the oldest cultures in the world, the Syrians, Babylonians, Egyptians, Chinese, all of them in some way or another have depicted um, beings with wings, um, beings with halos, um, celestial beings with uh, swords and shields and spears. I mean, you see this in every single culture. Um, and then as you look through uh, their history, their annals of history, which we do by pictures, right? Like this is the most important thing. Uh, we've, we've lost so much of the written word uh, that we, we always go back to what's been preserved, which is usually pictures. And uh, when you look at hieroglyphs of even the Mayan culture uh, and the Aztec culture, there are images of beings uh, that we always have attributed to angels. Now, the word angel itself um, comes from different aspects of our culture. So, for example, um, in the Hebrew culture, the word is melek, which means messengers of God. Um, it's literally, if you were going to write it in English, it'd be M-E-L-E-K. That word is the messengers of God. Anytime that you see that in Hebrew, that is that is supposed to be um, a celestial, like godlike, not godlike, a celestial being. Um, in the in the uh, New Testament, when you look at it in Greek, the the word is angelion or angelios. Uh, you can see it as an evangelios. That each each time that they have that, there's the Greek word is specific. This is something different, and also in Greek that means the the word of God or the presence of God or the messengers of God. So both in the Hebrew culture, as well as in the Greek culture, we have it, we have it in, like I said, Egyptian, uh, Mayan and Aztec and uh, Babylonian and Assyrian, uh, th that there's images of these celestial beings. And so it's important to point that out before we even have a discussion about it biblically, because as a culture, you will talk about things um, that you've experienced and you're going to relate it to things that you know, right? So um, my brother always talks about this. When we, when we grew up in southeastern Oklahoma, there were, there were people, and I, I know it's going to be funny, but there are people to this day that fully believe with their entire being that there is a species of animal running around in the woods called Giganticus americanus, which we all know as Bigfoot. And they they swear that they've seen it, they track it, they do all of these things. And my brother, who is a biologist, will tell you, he says, 
he says the the problem with this idea is is that in some cultures everyone has seen it but they've called it something different as a biologist you have to find evidence of remains like there's where's the bones that's that's what luke always asks and then the 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 people will always say well they've hidden them out in the woods and you'll, you'll never find them because they're thinking beings which is fine you know but the interesting thing about bigfoot is, is it's the same thing as angels in almost every single civilized culture you have some form of being that walks bipedally on two feet right that looks and is covered in hair in uh, the Himalayas, we know them as the abominable snowman or as Yeti. Uh, in Alaska, they have Bigfoot as well, but they have a different name for it. In the Chinese culture, they also have something that looks like and sounds like and 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 uh, smells like a Bigfoot. And so I'm, I'm saying this to you because in every single culture, there's this thing that everybody can relate to, but nobody ever physically grasps or holds on to. Make, does that make sense? So, uh, so angels are not, I don't put angels in that category because for us, uh, as faith driven people, that means that if we start going in that direction, then that means that angels aren't real. I'm a no book, but the Bible person. And it very clearly states that there were these things that, um, were, otherworldly in our midst and so that's where i want to start off this discussion so um otherworldly uh, we now in the world of academia it's split down the middle it's really fascinating um and so i'm gonna i'm gonna break one aspect of that down for you so evangelical protestantism this is um this is anything outside of the mainline church that is spirit driven. So these are the folks that uh, might speak in tongues. And as I said, might not all of them are in this category. Some that uh, believe they're being led by the Lord uh, and they don't need the Bible. Uh, their, their preachers don't need to be educated. They've been motivated and, you know, given the gift of this from the Holy Spirit. Again, not not a, I'm not critiquing. I'm just stating this. Um, but they they don't have a hierarchical structure like uh, the Catholics or the mainline churches do. So that's why we call them evangelical Protestants. One of those people you know very well uh, is Billy Graham. And Billy Graham wrote a lot about angels. Uh, I would argue that Billy, uh, well, Dr. Graham did not write it in such a way to uh mislead people but in the ways that he had experienced angels and others that he had come in contact that he experienced angels now his way of academic thought is going to be off of the emotion does that make sense and the experience the other part of the world is going to go well like my brother where are the bodies right so the world of academics has said well we want to see the data like so show us where this happened. So let me give you some examples of that before we get before we go on. Go ahead. I just have one comment. When you said that it would be from the emotion side to me, that's more like the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's that's where that evangelical idea comes from. 
so the world of academic is academia is not split up in just two easy categories, but evangelical Protestantism is very comfortable living mm -hmm. with this Holy Spirit idea while the other side, and I'm and I'm really minimizing this, the other side says, yeah, there's a Holy Spirit, but we've never felt it. So, you know, we don't necessarily believe that way, which is very <laughs> aggravating when you do research this way. Because like I told you all before, I've seen Billy Graham, I, I, I saw him three times and I remember not thinking there was anything wrong with what was going on. You know, like I didn't think there was anything wrong with people falling on the ground and being slain with the spirit. Um, I never saw anything wrong with people speaking in tongues. I just didn't understand it because when we went back to our church, they didn't do it. Right. Um, and then, and this matters. This, this really does matter because the other side of this says, well, we believe in angels, but we don't see them anymore. We, we're not able to see them anymore. And they put it in that Bigfoot category, which is why I was putting it there. And academically, uh, I struggle with that concept because I'm one of those others, the other side of this thing where I would argue with my brother, okay, but I'm an anthropologist. And if every culture says that this thing happened, somewhere there's a grain of truth, right? Every culture talks about dragons also. Literally, every culture talks about dragons. And there's got to be a grain of truth. We find out later on uh, through anthropology that some of them could have had a different species of Komodo dragon that became extinct. We found out that in other cultures that they may have had giant lizards that look like iguanas. And, you know, when you draw something, it becomes bigger than what it is, right? So it is, it's not unheard of. And I'm not saying that angels don't exist, because please don't get that from me at all. But just the, the, the other side of academia wants to say, well, we put it in the Bigfoot category, and the other one says, yeah, but this is real. Okay, Robert, go. Sorry. And I'm only speaking for myself here, but I'm a very visual person. So if you say something, there's going to be a picture pop into my mind. If I'm going to write something down, if you ask me what an angel looks like, I'm going to have to describe it in words that I understand and in the pictures that are in my mind. And I'm only throwing this out because if you're trying to convey that thought, it's going to have to come down to something that you're already aware of. You know, wings. You see birds, you, you understand wings. And I'm, I'm only throwing this out because I think at different times of the Bibles, we're going to encounter angels written by different people. Absolutely. They're going to appear differently. Not that they can't. I'm not arguing that anyway. It's just if you say something... The minute you said angel this morning, Clarence, ringing the bell. I mean, oh, wow. just yeah. because it's a favorite movie of mine. Yeah, it's a wonderful, know? wonderful image. Yeah, and, you know, and Clarence was a nice little guy, you know, didn't ruffle any feathers, whether they be angels or not. Anyway, all I'm throwing out is everything is going to come through my ears into my little brain differently than y'all's. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. Doesn't mean I'm right. 
It's just going to be the way that it's filtered into this brain. And if I was going to write it, it probably would be written differently than whatever y'all said, even coming from the same text. Yeah, no, that's also I mean, really important to point out, Robert, because anthropologically, one of the things that takes place when you all have this conversation and this religious experience, you all have had different religious experiences. So I always put it to the, the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, right? The angels have appeared in a host in the heavens so so far that they can't even see the stars like that's what when you're when you're in bethlehem that's how they tell the story now that's not what's written but when you're there you're hearing them tell the story that the sky was so filled with angels that you couldn't see the stars or the moon in the sky and that it was so bright and deafening um that you your, your world was shaken to your very core now when you hear it from them that's a different story than we read from the gospel of luke because we're just like and then there were angels and then they said glory to god in the highest and peace among men right because that's what we do and we make these really great hymns but to hear it from somebody's personal experience it's a different feeling than each of us in this room and and if if an angel were to appear to us in this room right here for a very brief instant and then leave we would have one two three four five six seven eight nine ten like twelve different versions what that person that's exactly right i guess yeah what i'm trying to say is how whatever we land on at the end of all this each one of us are going to have a different journey and a different understanding that's right. and you know if you and we're going to start there in just a second but if the angels do in fact you know god says that will make like images of us if you can't describe what god looks like the jews then, you know, they're going to describe what, I guess you can describe what an angel looks like because that's what God looks like. You just can't say that it's God. And yeah, and they struggle with this a lot, which is a great segue to go into the different types of angels um, that we talk about in faith um, because they set the precedent. The, the Jewish culture sets the precedent for us and it's fascinating to me because they have no issues, even to this day, talking about angels as real things. Um, it's funny to me that the Protestants struggle more with angels, um, the mainline Protestants struggle more with angels than the Catholics, and the evangelical Protestants have completely embraced them, but they have created a different image than what we get biblically. And 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 Karen nailed it on the head. Some of these things could be viewed as the Holy Spirit, but uh, Billy Graham, which is kind of where I was going with, a lot of his conversations I would look at later on in life and say, that feels like a, a moment of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I'd call that an angel. And so let's let's talk about different types that we know of. So what I want you to do is let's just just uh, just for an exercise. Uh, let's talk about the different types of angels that you know of. So just name out one. Archangel. Archangel. Guardian angel. Guardian. Yeah. Seraphim. Seraphim. Cherubim.
what they have, they have a name for them, but uh, Abraham and Sarah were visited by angels that just look like humans. The, the angels that came to Lot look like humans. Kind of like messengers? Yeah, yeah. And was there a description of the angel that wrestled with Jacob? So when they name angels, do they tell us what, Michael, do they tell us that what category they fall in or are they just this guy? So then let's make another list. Named angels. Michael and Gabriel. Gabriel. Michael. Don't roll. Mm -hmm. Gabriel. I never spell his name right. It's one L. Are we including fallen angels? Sure. One would be Satan. Uh, his name is Lucifer. Lucifer, yes. See the skip to deep. See the first angel. I can't tell you that today. Just for the sake of time, I want to make sure that we have this part of the discussion, but we're going to get there, I promise. Because I have the internet right here at my computer, there's, uh, I think it's Apollyon or something in the book of Revelation. Yes. Oh, that doesn't go underneath there. That comes over here. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah, I think that's a name. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's Greek. Okay. Uh, Apollyon, I don't remember how to spell A P P O L I A N. Y O N um, in English, at least. Yeah, that's that's the Greek uh, terminology, like angelion. Okay. Okay. Do you have any more? Because on the named angels, there's a there's seven. Way short. What was the name of the angel? Did they tell me? I thought it was just a message. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I got him. Doesn't matter. These are the top three. I wrote down uh, on the name side. Michael, Gabriel, Lucifer, Uriel, Ariel, and Azrael. And there's one more that I never remember because he's not really that important. Is it Raphael? That's it. Are you messing with me? No, I see. Well, I, I'm just looking at on the internet. So. Yeah. No, I just had to make sure because uh, yeah. uh, Raphael is a Ninja Turtle. It could, be a, it could be a Ninja Turtle, but. Yeah. <laughs> Just a quick internet thing says Archangel of Healing. It's Raphael. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one. That, mm -hmm. And I never remember him on purpose. Christian traditions. Michael, Gabriel, Uriel, C-H-A-M-U-E-L. Say that again. C-H-A-M-U-E-L. Oh, yeah. M-A-U-L. Uh-huh. A-M-U-E-L. Okay, say it again. C-H-A-M-U-E-L. U-E-L. Yeah. He's the one that I don't ever count. And then Raphael, 
J-O-P-H-I-E-L. J-O-P-H-I-E-L. And Z-A-D-K-I-E-L. Mm, that's more than seven. Oh, one more. Yep. Clarence. <laughs> Clarence is in between. <laughs> he's not an archangel. It's very important to point that out. Even just as, as we're joking, he's he's a different, he's a messenger. So what's a Roma Downing and Touched by an Angel? Yeah. I'll go back to those. Yeah, so I put them all in the messenger category. <laughs> totally not joking. It's my favorite part about this is you all have all seen angels in your television shows and your movies and how, how this has all come up to understand. Um, the the uh, interesting thing about it is, is this list of named angels doesn't become known as archangels until after the first crusade. So uh, archangels become a whole different session. So we'll, we'll spend a whole day on archangels. So not, we're not going to talk about that today. And, um, so I thought I'd talk about some of these others, but not really in depth. I just I'm going to give you a real cursory discussion about it, so we can have some feedback, and then we'll stop for today. And we'll start off with uh, we're going to start off with Genesis and Deuteronomy next week. So just just to kind of give you that idea. So let me let me uh, let me break it down to you a little. So archangels, um, uh, they're they're supposed to be the ones that 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 don't have free will, but they do. It's, it's really hard to explain. Archangels have the ability to, uh, to make choices, which none of the other angels do. Now remember, in, in the beginning of creation, God created humans with the breath of God. And the objective of that was for God's pleasure. If you remember, we're gonna create them in our image uh, and then God creates humans for God's pleasure. But angels, on the other hand, are interpreted as if they've already been here. We, we find out all of this stuff takes place in a book called the Book of Enoch, which is one of the things that we're going to be using quite a bit in this discussion. So if any of you want to get something fun or uh, look on Google for fun, because it's free, it's called the Book of Enoch. It's, it's something that we've had in the understanding of faith forever. Um, even before the canon was put together, the book of Enoch was considered a mystical book because it talks about the battle of heaven and hell. It has, uh, there's a whole book that's that's in the Apocrypha called Bell and the Dragon, um, and the dragon obviously becomes Lucifer. But So in the book of Enoch, we start to get these breakdowns of angels. Um, they don't call them archangels, but they call them the named ones. Guardian angels is a conversation that we'll spend a whole day on. Um, guardian angels uh, are something that um, started to become a conversation, oh, about the 12th to 13th century to explain moments that have no under other understanding for safety, right? So like you all know what I'm talking about. Somebody's uh, in a car accident, and there's no rhyme or reason as how to why they're they're alive. Uh, we we have no understanding. It, it had to be uh, divine, right? Which is problematic. 
because then you say, well, so God loves you more and provided a guardian angel at that moment, right? But that's where this language came from in about the 12th to 13th century, because here they are in battle, and there would be people that had a had a wave of arrows fly over them, and somehow, for some reason or another, all of the arrows missed that one person sitting out in the field. And and that doesn't make sense. It had to be God surrounding me with a guardian angel. So we start to see that language, and I'm summarizing his uh, just for the sake of time. But then there's seraphim, my, my favorite angel in the Bible. Uh, and I believe 100% with my entire being that seraphim are real. This is where I think the Holy Spirit can be tied to or is. So the seraphim uh, are, are these crazy imaged uh, angels that you read about in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Um, that that they are balls of fire with six wings, two that covers their face, two to fly with, and two to cover their anatomy. So that's the first time that we ever hear that they're they're covering themselves. So seraphim, for some reason, uh, covering feet, feet in the Hebrew world is always you know your genitalia. So the seraphim are are described as having uh, body parts, human body parts. So, but so the six wings, two to cover their face, two to fly, and two to cover their 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 body parts. Cherubim are always designed as soldiers. They um, in the book of Genesis, which we're going to read next next week, and we're going to spend a lot of time on cherubim next week. Uh, cherubim uh, always have swords. They always have shields. The funny thing is, uh, during Valentine's Day, you see them, and uh, we have made a mockery of them in the sense of you have this cute little cherub that is fluffy, and he has an arrow and a, sometimes a spear and a heart, right? Uh, but cherubim, uh, biblically, are the scariest things. If you saw a cherubim, you better walk away because they, the, they, they are the soldiers of God. And according to the book of Enoch and, and the, most of the biblical understandings, if there's an army of God, that's full of cherubim. So if they come at you with flaming swords, you better get out of the way. It, it, well, there's nowhere for you to go. You're just dead. So at the Garden of Eden, that's why they're standing at the, at the, at the front of it. That's also why when you get to the Ark of the Covenant, that the top of the Ark of the Covenant has cherubim with their wings covering the top to protect the, the, the holy elements that are in the Ark of the Covenant. You see, you see what I'm saying? Like this, I get a little passionate about this. I get really frustrated around Valentine's Day because it's like, it's literally a slap in the face of all of us that believe in God and angels um, because it's cute, uh, but it has absolutely, there's no reason to put that image of an angel anywhere. Um, but you know we do it. Are we to go on through what these ones do? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so cherubim especially are the soldiers of God. Cindy, there's no gender. Well, there we're going to get no to gender. that. Okay. You know you're talking about Valentine's Day when I I have figurines of angels around my house. They all kind of look feminine or female. Yeah. You know? And. I see these names, Gabriel and Michael, and very masculine names. Very masculine, mm -hmm. and 
When we get dressed for kids for the when we got the little admittee, and I, I, I ask a boy to be the angel, and I always say, I'm not an angel, I'm the angel. And I tell him, the angels in the Bible were all men. And uh, this this year, we, we were short of people, and Bobby was the angel with his full beard and everything. And everybody's giving him a hard time. And I said, you know what, that's actually probably more realistic than any angel we put up there. You know, somebody with a, that doesn't look sweet, sweet and cuddly, looks, looks kind of rough. And, and uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's <laughs> we're definitely going to talk about genders in, in this. Um, because another problem that we have in the book of Genesis is, is that supposedly, uh, the celestial beings right before Noah were interacting with humans, and the offspring of the angels were known as Nephilim. It's a very weird, uh, passage in the Hebrew Bible that doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Nephilim ran this congregation, conversation. So uh, Nephilim or Nephilim or, or are also the ancestors or descendants of angels procreating with human beings on earth. So in the Jewish culture, it would have been male-dominated patriarchal culture but the interesting thing is is that changes over time if you if you look at any images of angels uh drawn by leonardo da vinci or michelangelo the feminine the face the features on the face are very feminine the masculine aspects of their body uh are are you, you'll see muscles but they're not they're not the way that you would think like you know again we live in United States. And so we think Arnold Schwarzenegger, when you think muscles and, and, you know, things that nature, but in, in the Renaissance, when these things were being painted, uh, to be spelt was, was to be desired. So it's interesting because all of this stuff that we read in the Hebrew Bible and as well as in the new Testament and in the book of Enoch, all of it is very masculine. But the interesting thing is, is that over time, We've feminized the images of angels in the face, and we've included women in the images. So you've seen the Sistine Chapel, right? So those of you that have, when you looked up at the ceiling, the, the angels were both men and women, right? I, I don't know if you remember that or not. Yeah, a lot of angels. Yeah, there's a lot of angels on there. Michelangelo specifically wanted to make sure that the the and there's a lot of interesting theology that he brings to that. But in in those places. Um, the the cherubim are the most painted. So that's the part I want you to catch. So the cherubim are the only ones described with just two sets of wings and are bipedal. So one set of wings, sorry, one set of wings and are bipedal. They walk. And so that, that's important to notice. Uh, messengers. So you all were starting to, to hit onto it right off the bat. You have those that uh, appear to Abraham and Sarah uh, as uh, right before they go to see Lot um, and they show up to uh, Sodom or Mora and, and my brain just Sodom. They show up to Sodom and they, their uh, presence made people attracted to them so much so that there was a, a sense of, well, we want to rape them. Um, we want to overpower them. So there's an interesting conversation. 
because not once are these angels mentioned in the Sodom and Gomorrah story de described other than their beautiful appearance. So automatically we assume that they're women or uh, that there's this interesting conversation that takes place. So these messengers are not described with wings. Um, they're not described with swords. They, they're walking. And then Pam caught on to the other one where uh, Jacob wrestles something and it pops his hip out of place, remember? So there's, uh, there's that moment. Uh, there's other conversations like with Paul as he's walking to Damascus. Some, some will say, was it Jesus that blinded him or was it one of these that blinded him? Now, as Christians, we're going to say the Holy Spirit did and then Jesus spoke. That's that's usually where we go. So, so I put messengers and wrestlers here together because there's this conversation. My favorite part of that wrestling conversation is, is uh, I'm I'm wrestling with you. Uh, I'm I've, I've been busy. Yeah, Jacob's having a conversation with them. I, I'm sorry, I've been fighting off the the evil one ahead of you um, in the Hebrew Bible. So there's obviously there's a a battle that takes place that you all never see in the Hebrew Bible. Um, then there's the, uh, uh, um, there's one more that just slipped my mind. There's the wrestlers, there's the messengers. Um, oh, one of my favorite stories is, uh, Balaam and the donkey. Um, the, the Balaam, who's a, um, he's on this way and he's riding on a donkey and he gets to a certain point and the donkey won't move. So he starts to beat the donkey and tell him the, the donkey to move. And why is this happening? And the donkey won't move. And just, he gets really frustrated. And all of a sudden the, the, the voice of an angel comes through the donkey and saying, listen, dum dum, you, you're just, you're, if the donkey doesn't move, you don't need to move. You know, just, it's just this beautiful conversation that takes place. But this messenger thing is much more than just, being amongst us, they're the voice of God. That's the most important part I want you to catch from this. All of these are the voice of God. All of them. Some way, somehow. All, all of the understandings that you grew up with, um, uh, the, all of them are the voice of God. Why? See, may remember? Can't hear, can't hear the voice of God. If you do, what happens? Ooh, you die. You know, so this this conversation about the voice of God, God desires a connection. So messengers would be pure, sinless. I mean, back, sure. back to this picture in my mind, I could see where that would take it as Time has evolved more to the feminine side. Mm. I mean, you know, men are usually not looked at as pure and sinless. But we'll go that route. Because when you're talking about the paintings, I was thinking of the Last Supper. Yeah. I mean, we even, you know, Leonardo da Vinci starts getting some very feminine looking people in the picture. Yes, it's, it's that's also it's important. They were doing. I mean, you know. Yeah, they, they all ended up fluffy and nice and white and blue-eyed. Yes, and very European. Yeah. But 
but you paint what you know. Yeah, and I'm just going back to the, that's why I'm going, you know, if they're messengers from God, then I'll just use the word pure. Sure. You know, so, or image, if you're going to try to describe it, you're just going to drive to the most appealing thing that you can paint. Yeah, and and that's really, the, the, the images that you all know are from the Renaissance. I mean, there's there's very few of us that get all excited and go, oh, hey, let's go look at, you know, Assyrian imagery and, you know. They have wings. They have wings. You, you look at any anything from the, the, the Mayans and the Aztec, they're, they're, they have wings. That's why I was making a big deal out of it. The interesting thing about all of these, what is missing from them? That's that. Maybe we should use that as a part of our discussion as we get kind of close to the end. We always think of uh, how do they look? What do they look like? To me, angels don't necessarily have halos. Okay. Let's think of you know Jesus in the in the manger. That there's a halo or an aura, mainly a halo, because I feel like that the angels do have an aura around them. There's actually a funny story about that when we get into that. Okay. What else? Uh, we we've said it a bunch of times. Wings. Wings. Dress. D they wear a dress. Yeah, long. Yeah. Robes. Oh, robe or armor. Okay. So they are dressed though. I did. I wrote halos and not halos. Because some people see them with halos, some people that don't. They don't have shoes. Don't have shoes. I think uh, I'm thinking of, I have to look at the picture, but I think ones in armor have the lace-up sandals like the Romans wore. That... You're talking about Bible or paintings. <clears throat> I think of them as you can see right through it. I mean, they're transparent. That's what I was going to write, but. Transparent. I don't know if they they. And I don't know, to me, they're a common presence. Even the guardians, even the ones with the swords. I think sometimes they do not have a body at all. It's a, it's a voice. Josh, are we making an assumption that they are human in appearance? Uh, nobody has said that. Are, are you saying that? Uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and put that in. I, I think there's some creatures described in, in Revelation that don't sound human, but sort of seem angelic with multiple wings and stuff like that. So yeah, that, that's why I yeah. thought I'd, we make an assumption sometimes that something looks like us. That Apollyon that you mentioned, and there's an Apocryphon that we didn't put on this list either. They do not look human. And they are um, angels. So are these just additional? They're also in the dream. Uh-huh. So. 
And, and the reason I'm asking if they're additional because you gave us the Jewish definition, you know, that they, the angels were made in the angel's image, possibly. God's image and others. Mm -hmm. Which we don't know what it looks like. This is where the Jewish culture says that's why there's so many different colors and that's why there's so many different ways of looking and that's why that everybody looks different from one it's another. Nothing to do with genetics or anything. It's nothing. Uh -uh. Okay. That's an answer to a, a, a cool question as to why do we all look different? Well, because we were all created in God's image and God has many different faces. It's my oh, favorite story. Alec, I'm trying to, anyway. He has a magnificent palette to paint from. Exactly. I think that's a good place for us to kind of stop with the list. Patty, it looked like you were going to ask a question. No, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I think uh, what I want us to do next week is we're going to start at Genesis and then we're going to, we're going to kind of talk about some of these and this we'll come back and forth to this list and you're going to add to it and you're going to take from it. And, and you know, because the, the one thing that doesn't get brought up in this discussion and probably will just be talked about on the side, not on purpose. It's just because for the sake of time, uh, demons don't come into this discussion, right? They, they are demons are something different. Um, that's, that's a whole other discussion. Um, and the very first time that we hear about demons being fallen angels is the book of Enoch and a little passage in Ezekiel and Daniel. Um, so um, so it's, a, it's important for me to comment on that just as we come closer to the end of our recording today that the idea here is that it's not that it doesn't exist and that demons don't exist, but that... Um, for our sake of conversation about the the biblical understanding of angels, um, it's a little bit more comp, com, uh, compl complicated. All right, anything else? Okay, well, then I'm going to stop the recording.